Will Almighty God send a sign, a warning, an illumination of conscience to the world before the end? And will there be the three days of darkness? These are some of the most popular topics, especially on my podcast as I've covered them. And I've become friends with my friend here, Xavier Irel. Is that correct? Irel? Perfect. Perfect. And uh, he's written a book, Revelations, which I've read, and it's very helpful. As you know, I've been working through uh, Three Days of Darkness, Illumination of Conscience, Conscience Garabondel, and I have found his book to be the most helpful so far. So I've invited him on the podcast, and we're going to go through five points, five facts, and they are, first off, what is the illumination of conscience or the warning? Where does it come from? Who talks about it? Number three, how does it relate to the three days of darkness? Number four, where are the three days of darkness in the Bible, the tradition, and the mystics? And number five, how do we prepare for the illumination or the warning? Is that the same thing? And the three days of darkness. So, Xavier, can you do that for us today? Certainly. Awesome. Uh, would you like to pray the, the Our Father? Uh, in Let's Latin pray the Our me? Father, and then we're going to jump into it. This is going to be a great podcast, so everybody like it, subscribe, and hold on tight. This is going to be good. Oremus in nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie. Et imite nobis debita nostra, secutet nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris. Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. All right, Xavier. So, as I understand it, in private revelation, in the mystics, the illumination of conscience and the warning and the three days of darkness go together relatively. Is that right? Absolutely right. Okay. Yes. And where do we hear about the warning and the illumination of conscience? Because when we were talking, I was saying the warning, the warning, the warning, and you said illumination of conscience. It's actually two different private revelations, but they are the same thing, correct? What is it? Quite so. Quite so. Actually, most people identify the warning or the illumination of conscience mostly through uh, the apparitions in Garapandal in uh, northern Spain. And uh, also there are some mystics and uh, uh, men who uh, are visionaries who are um, privileged souls. But it actually, um, beside uh, coming or having you know, some clues within the book of the Apocalypse, there's been as early as the mid-late 19th century, a particular mystic, a stigmatist, a French lady, from the region of Brittany, Marie-Julie Janie, called Haiti started talking about it. Uh, it was November 21st. You see, I came well prepared. Uh, November 21st, 1882, that our Lord told Marie-Julie Janie, wait for that which must arrive, and inner distress will be felt by all. A preview of the justice of God. For that is exactly where this uh, illumination of conscience will be some 60 years later, um, or so, actually 80 years later, uh, the Virgin Mary appeared to these uh, lovely girls in uh, northern Spain, in Garabandal. Now, before I proceed forward to give further explanation, it is good to know the, that the actual apparition site of Garabandal is still under study, still under investigation. It has not been condemned nor approved. But the fact that the church has not condemned Garabandal in itself says volumes. But we'll go into that later if, you, if you're so willing, uh, Taylor. But notwithstanding, according to Conchita Gonzalez, uh, the principal of the visionaries in Garabandal, the illumination of conscience will be a sort of a new Pentecost of sorts. But this time, not just reserved to a, a dozen few, but rather to the entire population of the world. It is to be considered a last chance of sorts for people to convert while there is still time. 
This illumination of conscience will be truly a gift from heaven, a last chance for mankind to see the state of its own soul, in other words, for every man, woman and child around the globe, whether Catholic or Protestant, Jewish or Muslims, agnostic or atheist, to see the state of his or her own soul exactly as God sees it himself. It will be an experience that is supposed to last possibly around 15 minutes, but it will be an experience where everyone will see truly in complete honesty and truth the, the true state of one's souls. Now, Conchita has explained that she was told by the Blessed Virgin Mary that normally people will not die of this experience. It will be a tremendous shock, as there will be some exceptions. For those souls who will be shocked, utterly shocked, of the maliciousness, of the darkness of his or her souls, they will, some of them, ever so few, but some of them will pass out of sheer terror and shock. But that will be an extreme minority. During those 15 minutes, people will be able to see not only what they've done wrong in the course of their lives, but likewise what they have failed to do for the well-being of their fellow brothers. Those is, or rather, those are extraordinary circumstances in which God permits this miracle truly because we have reached the end of times, an end of times which has been foretold likewise through the same children of Garavandal by the Blessed Virgin Mary. I hope this answers somewhat your question. Yeah, it's very helpful. So I'm picking up some details here and I want to draw them out for people. Uh, you said 15 minutes. Yes. So is, is that in Cochita and Garabanda, or is that also going back into the 1800s? No, that's uh, Conchita from Garabandal. Okay. Uh, with uh, the stigmatist Marie-Julie Jani in 1880 in Brittany, this particular prophecy was meant to be a secret. Remember, uh, this secret was once again revealed almost a century later in Spain okay. through this children of Garabandal. Right. So we've gotten all the details of what is to happen, principally for Garabandal, and also from another mystic, a priest who has not been condemned either, nor approved. But he's the founder of his own religious order, approved by Rome. Uh, his case is, uh, as I mentioned, not condemned, but still under review, shall we say. And his name is Reverend Father Michel Rodrigue, who spoke as well quite a bit in detail of those three days of darkness. Uh, to come back to Garabandal, not to confuse your uh, viewers, this remarkable apparition case, uh, just a brief parenthesis, has been approved and confirmed uh, by Saint Padre Pio, also a stigmatist, and on many occasions has also been blessed uh, by His Holiness Pope Paul VI. Those are the factors of that give credibility, belligerence, shall we say, to this extraordinary operation case. All right, very good, very good. So is there a sign that the illumination of conscience is coming? Yes. Uh, you will remember, at least for those of your viewers, that are familiar with the Garabandal case, that the visionaries, particularly I think it will be Conchita Gonzalez, was told by the Blessed Virgin Mary to reveal eight days before the events of, uh, that are to take place, to reveal them publicly. Now, I've seen, uh, I'm a great fan of your show, Taylor, and I've seen the show you did uh, not so long ago with um, I mean, Glenn Hudson, you know, whom I've gotten in touch as well, terrific chap. And uh, uh, Glenn Hudson unquestionably will be one of the very first persons to be informed by Conchita, who knows the date, uh, in advance when the miracle will take place. And I mentioned the miracle as a point of reference in regards to the illumination of conscience. Indeed, uh, the illumination of conscience is supposed to take place within one year before the miracle on Pine Hill. That gives us a bit of an idea. In other words, once this event takes place, we will know that within the next year, or the next 12 months thereafter, the uh, miracle on Pine Hill will take place, and I'll go into that in a moment. 
But that is the only point of reference so far we have as to the elimination of conscience when that is to take place. And we will be warned publicly at least well within one week before this takes place. And the purpose of this, um, Conchita Gonzalez was told, is to take people, or rather, to have them be aware of the event that is to take place and for some of them to be able to travel in order to be there. Now, some of the promises that have been given by the Blessed Virgin Mary through Conchita Gonzalez is that whomever will be there in faith, um, as in response to a call that the Virgin made through Conchita Gonzalez uh, so many years ago, will be healed of any malady or illness they would be suffering. So again, in response to your question, the point of reference that will alarm us or rather warn us of this event, of this extraordinary event that is to come, will be principally through Garabandal's principal messenger, Conchita Gonzalez, and unquestionably, very likely, through Mr. Glenn Hudson. Yes. Okay. Now let's just say mm-hmm. someone's watching and they're like, watching you know what? Like- I don't believe in Garabandal. Not my deal. Can they, uh, is there anything in the mystic of, uh, who is it? Uh, Taiji, what's her first name? Anna Maria, Anna Maria Taiji. Yes, doesn't she talk about it as well or no? Actually, she was talking about the three days of darkness, which is part of uh, this trilogy of promises and prophecies from Garavandal. You're quite right. right. Okay, so that's- Would you like me to explain? But she doesn't yes. talk about the warning or the illumination. No. Unreal. The okay. only three people that I, I mentioned in my book that do, uh, in Revelations, is principally Marie-Julie Chani from La Frode in Brittany. The, a very short passage, remember. This was in 1882, when it was still a secret. No? Right. So it was Marie-Julie Chani, 60 years later, or rather 80 years later, um, Conchita Gonzalez in Garavandal, and the latest I wrote about mentioning the three, or rather the elimination of conscience, would be Father Michel Rodrigue from Quebec. Who's still alive. Who's still alive yeah. and kicking and working hard. Yes. Okay. Very interesting. Okay, so what you, you, you mentioned the trilogy, and I want to make sure we're hitting all our points for all the viewers here. So we're going through five facts, and we've got what is the illumination of conscience? Where does it come from? Who talks about it? You just explained that. And then three, how does it relate to the three days of darkness? Because the, the biggest questions I get are, well, okay, what if I've got my blessed wax candles at home? I've had them there for 20 years. And um, I'm just, you know, randomly out on a walk with my dog and the hits. And I can't get back to my house. And I, So can you tell us how the, because it seems like if we have the illumination of conscience first, we who are believers, and probably the whole world, at that point know the three days are coming, right? So yes. how, do, how does the, the private revelation of the illumination of conscience or the warning relate to uh, dovetail into three days of darkness? That's a brilliant question. According to Garabandal and the, the prophecy that was brought forth to the Catholic Church, in other words, to humanity, through Conchita Gonzalez, was this. First, there will be this illumination of, con- of conscience, el aviso, like the same Spanish, l'illumination conscience in French, and the warning of the illumination of conscience in English. After this moment, and I will mix a little bit the sources, but to be complementary, after this particular event has taken place, we are told, there will be a period of approximately six weeks in which the devil, according to prophecy, will not be able to interfere or to uh, manipulate man's conscience. Man will still be free to make a choice between good and evil, but will not be subjected to such bombardment as it is now, normally, by the devil. Now, we all know, we all know, anyone who is of good conscience and of good faith, that right now the Catholic Church, the world, is going through moments which have never been seen before in the history, of humanity. Never have we lived in such dangerous times. Never has society uh, <clears throat> been subject to belief that what's good is evil 
and what is evil is good. It's extraordinary. What was indecent half a century ago today is acceptable. Yeah. Acceptable by people that are simply afraid to appear neo-Nazi or fascist. Absolutely rubbish and ridiculous. Nevertheless, the series of events that are to take place will be first with illumination of conscience, followed by a period of parentheses, shall we say, of six weeks, where men of every creed, of every religion and race around the world will know in full conscience that this experience could only have come from God. And humanity will have a major surge of conversion throughout the world. You know? The lines of those who will ask for confession will be endless. You know? And to that event, priests will be forced to even have their own sandwiches while giving confession because they won't be able to stop. After six weeks, we are told, mm -hmm. there will be a reorganization mm -hmm. and surge again due to uh, mm -hmm. the devil's influence on humanity society. The church, this period of time, will have scientists who, in conjunction with the geopolitical circles of the world, the elite, shall we say, will make a claim and will prove that indeed due to one of the greatest solar storm ever recorded in history, uh, satellites have been completely taken off wire and it has caused mass hysteria throughout the entire world and this could not have possibly be truly come from a supernatural event, but through a scientific event very easily explainable. A great part of humanity hearing so this story... If I, might, if I might just interrupt here, the scientists are going sure. to say, as we've been experiencing all these past years, they're going to give a special account and say, all of you experienced, you were all cut to the heart. You all saw your sins. You saw your wretchedness. But that was a some sort of mass moment of hysteria caused by solar well, flare or outer space something. Exactly. Exactly. And what's the... And who says that? What's who, ghastly? Who, who says that? Or is that just speculation that that's how it's going to happen? At this time, it is... Well, who says that is Father Michel Rodrigue. That was okay. a revelation that our Lord had informed him for. So according to him, uh, and this is where a freedom of mind comes to play. God leaves every man to make a decision between what he, the truth and the untruth. Even those who do not receive a Christian formation are still able from the moment of their conception till their death to determine what's good and what is uh, evil, what is true and untrue. So to that event, uh, human freedom will play its role. And many will decide to choose the easy road out. Others will take this seriously and will decide from this moment forth, uh, Taylor, to do away and to declare war to the mediocrities of their lives. This will be a new chapter in their lives. And this will be, for many, the beginning of a new chapter of their existence. From that moment forth, uh, according to go back to, to this series of events, um, Various events will take place, still again, according to Conchita Gonzalez, to come back to Garavanta. Uh, after that period of illumination, within 12 months thereafter, no? and uh, it could be less than 12 months, but we have some clues nevertheless. And I took on my book point of reference to ask to what to expect. Uh, it will be, if I'm not mistaken, page 364. I have my computer here. I was prepared for your show properly, and I will give you all the details. There we are. It would be, I'm getting up there in age, so please do forgive the, <laughs> the glasses. It will occur, that is the miracle that is supposed to follow after, within one year after the um, illumination of conscience. This miracle will occur on Pine Hill on a Thursday, on the feast day of a saint devoted to the Eucharist at 8.30 p.m. local Spanish time. That will be about 2.30 in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, or 1.30 in Texas. No. And it will last for about one quarter of or an PM? hour. PM. PM. We have six hours difference with Spain. Right. So 8.30 in the evening in Spain will be 2.30 in New York time, 
1.30 in the afternoon in Texas. Okay, as you so read, I'm going to go. I forgot to put my book next to me. So as you read, I'm going to get my book. All right, so you go for sure. it. Sure. All right. Absolutely. It will also coincide with a great event in the church. The sick who come to Garabandal on that day will be cured. Unbelievers will be converted. There will remain a permanent sign at the pines as a proof of Our Lady's tremendous love for all her children. The sign that will remain will be able to be seen, photographed and televised, but it will not be able to be touched. It will appear clearly that it is something not of this world, but of God. Conchita transmitted the date of this event to come to His Holiness Pope Paul VI, uh, to his confessor and to Cardinal Ottaviani, who was at the time the prefect of the Dicasterium of the Holy Orders. Today, the equivalent of what we know as the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. Now, and by the way, this is extremely important. Cardinal Ottaviani will play in the course of his life an extraordinary important role within the Catholic Church. Not only will he know the date of this extraordinary event in Garabandal, but he also was one of the ever so few to have known the true third secret of Fatima, a third secret which he openly revealed and which in this book that I wrote, I echoed through an interview and an exchange he had with a particular priest and an American um, journalist. So it's, it's this interesting also, I think my audience has heard Cardinal Ottaviani because he's responsible for the Ottaviani intervention, which was a, uh, a group effort by theologians, including Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, uh, an intervention with concerns over the Novus Ordo Mass and it leading to certain Protestant understandings of the Eucharist as a memorial and perhaps symbolic and others. So he was... Cardinal Tabiani was definitely traditional and aligned with the right people before, during, and after the council. Quite so. I would even go as far as saying not only traditional, but a traditionalist. Mm -hmm. And to that effect as well, he was one of the founders of the war that was waged within the, the Vatican against the pre-Masonic lodges that have mm -hmm. tried and have succeeded, I regret to say, to infiltrate themselves within Rome. So, uh, indeed, His Holiness, His Eminence, Cardinal Ottaviani, has played uh, an extraordinary important role. I would say a cornerstone uh, position, which to this day, uh, those who have uh, respect and sympathy for his work continue, or rather try to attempt to continue the task started ever so successfully and brilliantly. So, do keep this name uh, in mind, Cardinal Ottaviani. So, in this event, indeed, we know more or less, we have some clues as to when this extraordinary miracle will take place in, on Pine Hill. It will be um, a vision, a sight that cannot be moved, touched or eliminated. It will be recorded with photographs, with uh, television, and it will remain there until the end of time, the end of the world. It will never stop being there. And it will be a sign, a print of sorts, uh, a proof that truly, God has manifested himself through his Holy Mother and through these uh, lovely children in the, in the Pueblo, in the village of Garabandal. So that's phase two. The third and final phase that has been predicted in Garabandal through the children of, uh, through the children of visionaries there and through Marie-Julie and through others uh, is the chastisement. Now keep in mind that uh, nothing in the history of humanity, matters of prophecies, is written on stone. Uh, God uh, has not uh, hesitated making his prophets liars. And you don't have to look very far to find some. Would it be only with Jonas and Nineveh? These messages, like those of Nineveh, are not meant to be interpreted as an ultimatum. They are not. On the contrary, it's a message of extraordinary hope and love of a loving father who implores humanity to convert while there is still time. If humanity, like in Nineveh, converts in time, everything can be changed. Now, that's the principle, the cornerstone message, shall we say, that heaven through his holy mother is bringing forth. But in this instance, the chastisement has been announced if humanity does not convert. And the chastisement 
Although Garabandal, uh, Maria, rather, uh, Conchita Gonzalez has not given, has not been permitted to give too many details, we know for a fact it's going to be uh, absolutely shocking. There was such a, such a thing as what the Spaniards called La Noche de los Gritos, which means the Night of Screams. Mm-hmm. On that particular time moment, the children who were in ecstasy were told to prepare for they would be able to see what the future reserves humanity if it does not convert. Marie-Julie Jani, 80 years before, however, had the same visions and saw and was permitted, on the other hand, to echo what she saw. According to Marie-Julie Jani, this chastisement will take place and will consist of various sub-chapters, one of them being the propagation of a world plague that will decimate a large fraction of humanity. In the midst of a conflict, I don't know if it's going to be a world war, but it will be through various regional uh, military conflicts, one of which will be in Europe. And in doing the course of these conflicts, there will be the spread of one particular plague called the burning plague. Mm. And this particular disease will be extraordinarily contagious and will unfortunately cause a great many victims. Although Marie-Julie Jani was received, or rather received, from the Blessed Virgin Mary an extraordinary remedy, the only one that mankind will be able to use to stop this dreaded disease. And it is in the book. It is, I can tell you, it will be the leaf of the hawthorn. And I beg your pardon for my uh, ghastly French pronunciation, but I hope you understood the Hawthorn leaf. No. Hawthorn, yes, Hawthorn. <laughs> yes. So, but the last chastisement that will seal this prophecy of chastisement will indeed be the three days of darkness. Yes. There's been a lot of controversy about the three days of darkness. Yes, it's to keep it, a, it's coming. It's yeah. coming. And, and I think it's important that people, the three days of darkness is not just a random thing. Um, as I covered in my book, Antichrist and Apocalypse, the three days of darkness comes from the Old Testament. It's part of the plagues that Moses calls forth from the power of God uh, with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You know the story, let my people go, let my people go. So if you want to look that up, if you want three days of darkness in the Bible, you go to Exodus chapter 10, verse 22, and it says, And Moses stretched forth his hands toward heaven, and there came horrible darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. So this idea that plagues will come upon the earth, which is in the book of Revelation, it's in the apocalypse. And then there's also the fifth plague, which brings in this darkness upon the whole world. It's, it's in, again, I cover it in Antichrist and Apocalypse. It's in the Apocalypse, it's in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the in the private revelation. So especially after studying it, writing this latest book, Xavier, I'm convinced this is it. This is, It's going to happen. Get your blessed Quite candles. So. Yeah. Quite so. And uh, to give credibility, further credibility to that which you already put forth, the three days of, ca- of the darkness were mentioned, among others, again uh, and again by St. Padre Pio. Yeah. A stigma is recognized and canonized by the Holy See. I have two texts here, which he originally wrote to the commission of Heraldschbach to the Vatican in response to an inquiry that was done. No? Um, the, the explanations are very long, but to gain time, and those of Marie-Julie Jani on chapter two of my book are amazing in regards to the details. But to make it short, to go straight to the point, um, what we are required to do on those three days of darkness, and there will be time to be warned again, I assume through the messengers of the Blessed Virgin Mary, no? principally uh, those of Garabandal and others, Father Michel Rodrigue and others. But that being said, what we have to do when the time comes, we are indeed, once we receive all the warnings through the messengers of heaven, the prophets, the modern prophets, we will be called to close the doors of our homes, to le- shut the windows and to gather around an altar where there must be a blessed crucifix, of course, with the corpus, naturally, image of the Holy Family, praying particularly the, with the sword of the modern knight, the Holy Rosary, and to pray continuously 
while placing all our faith in the fact that you will be protected by the grace of God. Your greatest shield, your greatest armor of it all, will be your faith in God, that you have placed yourself in his hands and that he will indeed protect you, for you have answered his call. We are asked to wear, to have upon our altars also, as uh, you mentioned, Taylor, this famous blessed candle, which must be, according to the Blessed Virgin Mary, through the French stigmatist Marie-Julie Jeanne, who, by the way, has been informally recognized through a letter by her local archbishop, uh, Bishop uh, Fournier, in 1876, you know, the letter of which is in my book as well. The, this candle will not be consumed. Whether it's this small or whether it, it's one meter tall, it's relevant. If it is this tall, it will not be consumed during those three days of darkness and will be able to enlighten your homes for those period of three days and two nights. Maintain your faith. This particular candle must be 100% beeswax. At the end of the book, uh, there is an extraordinary American lady. I believe she's in Ohio. Her name is Kathleen Lone, who sells those at cost. She makes absolutely no profit. She fell in love with, with uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Marie-Julie Jenny, and decided to leave her retirement just by producing those kits with the purple scapula, the brown scapula, the miraculous medal, I should say the true miraculous medal will be on your guard. There are false ones out there okay. that have so been people. pause, time out. So I was sure. with Xavier in Florida. When was that? Three weeks ago? Two weeks about ago. Two weeks ago. And he says to me, do you know about the fake Freemasonic miraculous medal? I said, no. And he showed me there's a fake one. And you need to make sure everybody watching, there's what, 1,700 people watching right now. Make sure you're wearing the real one that was given by the Blessed Virgin Mary. So I want, Xavier, break it down for everyone, the real one and then the Freemason one. Right. I'll be very, very short. The Freemasonic Miraculous Medal on the part in the back should have, of course, the 12 stars. But the six, there should be six stars on the left side of the Blessed Virgin Mary with none above her head and six stars on her left one. The one that the Freemasons have made has a star above the head of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the M with the bar underneath is a gripped to the original bar in the opposite way as to the one that the Blessed Virgin Mary showed Catherine Labouret in La Rue du Bac in Paris. Be on your guard. So remember, and I'm sure that Taylor will show a picture of the correct yeah. one well I'm, I, I'll, I'm showing the correct one but i can't i can't find the evil one and also i remember you showing me the the freemason one the m looked more like a mcdonald's m is that correct yeah. great so yeah which so shows that a McDonald's m, here's the real one my friends this is the real one you see on the screen you can see there's the 12 stars and there's no star due north at the top Correct? Perfect. Yeah. And then the bar of the cross goes into the M. And you have yeah. the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart. This is the real one. And unfortunately, I can't find the fake one. And you were saying that the fake one is made by whom? Three mas different, different, different Masonic lodges in Italy and elsewhere in Europe. Um, look, I just want to make a very quick parenthesis. It took me a long time. I've worked with Father René Laurentin. The Americans used to call him the Jacques Cousteau of Marine Apparition Site. Mm -hmm. He has been the reason for the formal approval of the Church of uh, the Apparition Site in San Nicolas in Argentina, Betania in Venezuela, in Quibejo in Rwanda, um, in Soufanie in Syria, and so on and so forth. He's written many books. The man was simply brilliant. For somebody who's never heard of any of this, it's quite difficult to digest this information. However, I will tell you the importance of these messages that right now we are living, particularly in the times we are living, must be taken very seriously. In the same way that in 1917, when those little innocent children of Fatima began to reveal what was what appeared at the time completely rubbish and invention of children, a Second World War when the First World War was not even over yet, Russia that had lost the war with the Kaiser and who signed an armistice, a humiliating one, what's more would spray her hands around the world. People were laughing at those children. 
the purpose of this message of the three secrets of Fatima was to change the course of events if mankind converted in time. The church has decided not to reveal the three secrets, the third secret of Fatima, the, out of fear of ridicule. And the fact that we all know what happened with history since then. The Second World War took place, although, as we say in French, this First World War was called La Der de Der, which meant in French, the last of the last. Now, God knows that the Treaty of Versailles didn't stop the Second World War. It started, didn't stop it. It started it. Right. And after, from the ashes of the Third Reich, started a, a greater threat yet, communism and nuclear uh, threat. Today, we are all, wherever you live on the surface of this world, aware of the impending crisis and the threat that is above us, the new sort of Damocles. Yes. With all... With all, uh, without an extremity being extreme, with as much moderation as I am able to, I sincerely call all the fathers, all the husbands, all the men who have somewhat, some sort of faith, to in interpret what uh, Dr. Marshall is doing through his shows, not just today, but all the times, another like him, to take this very seriously. Because what we're living now is considerably more dangerous more grave than what the population of the world lived in 1917. The Second World War was rav rav ravaged the world, but it will be nothing to what we've been told will happen. I call upon your viewers to look upon Akita, the message of Akita, to look upon this message of Padre Pio, the three days of darkness of Marie-Julie Jani, and to declare war on the mediocrities of your own life, to convert particularly for the means that every single true apparition site has in common a call to conversion through the holy sacraments of the church, particularly, particularly confession, the holy gospels, holy communion, which is absolutely imperative to earn paradise, to, to have your earn your salvation, to read the gospels and to pray, particularly the holy rosary and all the prayers of the church, Catholic church. No, the truth. Catholic Church is teaching us to pray. So do consider the work of that Dr. Taylor, Marshall, and others like him, like Michael Mal, like John Henry Weston, like Christine Bacon, uh, like Monique Turnbull, like uh, Donnelly, and so many others are doing today. Consider this truly not as a coincidence, but as a call for you to respond present to. And this message of the three days of darkness will indeed be the seal of a certain time we are living in history, and the beginning of a new one, a renaissance of sort, a rebirth, not only of the world, of society, all in all, but of the Roman Catholic Church, a return to the years of past years, the true church, the true magisterium. Yes. So, this, the three days of darkness are going to be horrible. It's going to be rough, but for those of us who stray, stay faithful to our Lord, and I think it's very interesting to go back to that verse in Exodus, Xavier. In the Dewey Rames translation, it says, and there came horrible darkness. It doesn't just say darkness. There's something horrible about the darkness. There's something fearful because this is, this is a manifestation of the wrath of God. And we look in our culture, and as you said earlier, Xavier, all the things that would be unimaginable, even 20, 30, 50 years ago, and you look at what's on television and what is taught in schools and what is promoted in just the sexualization of everything in the influx of communism that has left Russia and is now in well embedded in the United States, well embedded in Canada, well embedded in the EU, and sadly is even infiltrated itself into the hierarchy and into seminaries and convents and monasteries. So we know that the wrath of God must be building. We know God is merciful. That's why he'll spare us. But we have to be realistic that we are moving towards a correction. A correction according to God's mercy and his justice. So prepare. And I think the best way you can prepare, well, that's our fifth point, Xavier. So I want you to talk on that. How do we prepare? I mean, I'm thinking... I can imagine some people listening, they're like, well, if there's going to be an illumination of conscience, I'll just wait for that. 
I'm not going to really make a good con uh, confession by myself. I don't know my conscience that well. I haven't formed my conscience. I'll just hold out for the illumination of conscience, and then I'll go to confession. Or should we be trying to mirror our conscience in the meantime as close as possible to divine justice? That's a very good question. No. I think that, uh, and you and I, as you say, we spoke about this when you were here in Florida. We are called to answer this message now, not to wait for the illumination of conscience. Because for some of us, once this illumination of conscience comes, as I said, no, as Ranchita Gonzalez said, for some, it will be such a shock, you will not survive it. It's important, and the Virgin Mary has even recommended this through Marie Julie Jani and also through Conchita Gonzalez to make what the, the Virgin called a confession of uh, a life confession. In other words, to go to your priest and to confess every single thing you can possibly remember you've committed since you since you were a child to the day to the present day of your confession. I'm a father of two young children. I teach them, and we go every first Saturday. We just went this Saturday uh, in response to the invitation of Our Lady of Fatima uh, to confession, uh, which is followed by the meditation of the 50 mysteries, rosary and mass. So I teach my little Marc Xavier and my little uh, Sylvie Marie that after, whenever they confess, and <laughs> their prayers never last more than three minutes now, and always, uh, how many times have I heard a priest laugh when they come out of confession? But I always tell them, don't forget at the end of your confession to say, and I ask forgiveness for everything I have forgotten to mention. The priest loves that. What the priest thinks is really not that significant. The priest is nothing more but a telephone through which we confess directly to God. It is a sacrament that has been instituted by Christ himself upon Peter. You know? So this confession must be done now. So actually to make the day of the elimination of conscience easier for you to go through it's going to be a shock nevertheless no one will escape it no one even children will have to go through them and when we hear our oh, well children what possible sins can they have that's not true we especially for those who have children we know that sometimes there are there in different schools children that can be very cruel we must pray not only for ourselves but for others as well so the best preparation for these three days of darkness, for this illumination of conscience, he is, as I mentioned, uh, convert now through confession, a well-done confession before receiving Holy Communion. Another way of preparation, by receiving at least weekly, if at all possible, every day, that would be ideal. But if not, every Sunday, Holy Communion, but not just. In spite of what we might have heard from the highest positions in Rome, we are not to receive the Eucharist just unprepared. That is blood, simply heresy. There is no other word for it. Communion, according to St. Paul, must be received properly prepared because it is such, there is such a thing as a sacrilegious communion. When you receive Holy Communion, subject to mortal sin. That means that if you even suspect of being guilty, of having committed a mortal sin before receiving communion, you will receive blessings by abstaining from receiving communion on Sunday. You must go to confession. This is not an act of fanatism. It is rules that God has set upon the church through Peter. If you take a glass of crystal and you drop it on the floor, it will break because of the laws of physics. The same goes in this instance with the laws of the faith. Christ was extremely explicit when he addressed Peter and told Peter, on this rock I shall build my church, and whatever will be declared bound by, your, by this church will be declared bounded in heaven, and unbounded on earth, unbounded in heaven. Hence, according to the deposit of faith, we are supposed to receive communion properly prepared. Anything else, and no man and no angel can change the rules dictated by Christ. Anything else would be serving the purpose of the enemy of God and would lead you to receive a sacrilegious communion. There is nothing graver than that. There is always mercy. Mercy to those who ask. Mercy to those who go to confession and ask God forgiveness. 
many people that I finish, I hope I'm not too long-winded, <laughs> Taylor. But many people I've heard uh, tell me, but you know, I can ask God for forgiveness myself. I don't need to go through a priest who might be even more a greater sinner than I. You know, it's very easy to ask forgiveness to God like this. Where's the penitence in that? Even the pagans could do that. I submit to all those who think that way, that it's very difficult for anyone to open your bag and humiliate yourself before another man, who indeed could be a greater sinner than you, and ask God forgiveness through the testimony of this man. But he's like a doctor. Last analogy. Who amongst you, if you were on board a cruiser, and there was only one doctor, now that doctor is a womanizer, drug addict, the worst kind of fellow you can possibly imagine meeting, no? And he's English. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a Frenchman, I had to make that little joke. But uh, that being said, he's English. So, but all of a sudden you have an appendicitis. So what do you do? The only man who has the know-how, the power to heal you is the man you despise the most on board. And you have no time. Which amongst you would decide not to go and see the doctor to alleviate yourself, your life, simply because uh, his code of morals is not the same as yours. Not I. I would go in a jiffy. I would try to imagine he's a Frenchman, but I would go and I would have, I would save myself. The same goes for confession. Again, we are joking. I have, uh, I'm a Frenchman. I'm, I have a sense of humor. But do take this truly as a point of reference in your lives because it will be a point of reference in the pages of history. And those particular warnings, these admonitions, today you hear through Dr. Taylor and Marshall and others, truly will be repeated again once all this is back and behind us. Um, I, I don't think for one moment that you're here or that you're listening or watching this show by sheer coincidence. There is a reason for it. And uh, I'm simply delighted that uh, we had a chance to talk about all this today, thanks to Dr. Taylor, who has yes, been extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you. You know, another one that I've been hearing more lately, I thought it went away. Um, I talked to someone recently who was a seminarian and heard this in seminary. If you have a mortal sin, they say, the heretics say, if you have a mortal sin, but you intend to go to confession at some point, you can go to communion. This is not true. This is a lie no. from the infernal devil. This is not according to the Council of Trent. All right, this, it's not, it's, it's contrary. You must go to confession to a priest if you have a mortal sin before you go to Holy Communion. This is dogma. This is doctrine. This is bound. This is official. If anyone, if any priest tells you you have mortal sin and you can go to confession, I mean, you can go to communion as long as you intend to go to confession, that priest you should avoid because he's leading you to make a sacrilegious communion and commit yet another mortal sin. Do not do that. So if I understand you correctly, Xavier, the last point, we did five points today. The last point is how do we prepare for the three days of darkness? And I think you would say the answer is the same way that you prepare as if you were going to die every day. If I'm going exactly. to die in my sleep tonight or get run over by a car, I want to be, I want to have gone to communion recently. I want to have been to confession. I want to have confessed all my mortal sins. I want to be doing penance for the temporal punishment that I've incurred through my sins. Uh, and I want to be a prayerful person praying the rosary because what do we pray in the rosary? Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. So the secret to preparing for the three days of darkness is just the secret that Catholics have known since Pentecost, right? Yes. It's this, it, the secret of preparation is exactly what every true apparition sites has been repeating. And the Virgin Mary has come not to add to, to the teachings of the gospel. Everything is in the gospels. Everything. Right. The Virgin Mary cannot come to add anything to that. She just has come to, to echo what she said already 2,000 years ago, and which the church appears less and less to do, which is to say, do everything my son tells you. And for those of you who have no hope of or think that they are too evil and to, to be saved, 
I simply call to your attention that the very first soul to have ever entered paradise before St. Joseph, before the Blessed Virgin Mary, was not even a Christian, was the worst of men, by his own admission, a criminal. The man who was hung at the right of Jesus Christ, at his right, all he had to do was to say, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. And we all remember what Christ answered. Today, in truth, I tell you, you will be in paradise with me. So this message that we hear through Garabandal, through La Salette approved, through Fatima approved, through Akita in Japan approved, through San Nicola in Argentina approved is the same. Prepare yourself by converting, principally through living the Gospels, for the truth, the only truth is there. By living the sacraments of the Holy Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church, principally, like Taylor mentioned, confession, true confession from the heart, and communion, proper communion, um, every Sunday through Roman Catholic Church. Preferably, I prefer the Tridentine Mass. I'm not a society of SSPX. I'm not, although all my sympathies go with them. All my sympathies. My family was a follower of Monsignor Lefebvre from the first hour. But I remain faithful. For me, to chase the pirates that have entered the vessel of the Catholic Church, the, the solution is not to leave the vessel and come back later. For me, the solution is to fight them on board and throw them overboard. No? Mm -hmm. So again, I ask all of you to uh, take these words very carefully. They are not mine. They're not um, uh, Taylor's or Dr. Marshall's. They come literally from heaven, and they have been, in some cases, purposely hidden from the masses for reasons which we don't have, I'm afraid, the time to go into it. But I, uh, I invite you to read the book. You'll understand. Yeah. And to pray for Dr. Taylor Marshall, because he is also under assault enormously, although his humility does not permit him to say so. But he and his companions of arms, like Mr. Michael Matt, like I mentioned, John Henry Weston, Christine Bacon, and so many others, are constantly under attack. So do pray for them, because they do need your prayers and for their families. And uh, Taylor, you're a terrific fellow, and I congratulate myself to call myself your friend today. Well, thank you. You are a friend, and I, since I've discovered your book and become friends with you and been able to ask you questions in person, on the phone, I've learned a tremendous amount of information, and that's why I want to encourage people to get Xavier's book. It's called Revelations, and it documents, what's the first revelation that you, private revelation that you document? La Salette. La Salette. So it, be, it, it begins with La Salette, and it comes all the way up, and there's just tons of documentation. It's kind of, it's the book that I've needed um, to be able to thumb through and find the quotes, find the footnotes. So I found it extremely helpful. And I know it took a tremendous amount of work, Xavier. So thank you for compiling all this into one work because it, it is something that we need for our time as we discuss it. So I'd encourage people, the link is below if you want to get the book. And then also I'll ask our moderators to put it in the live chat and in the comments so y'all can get access to that. Well, shall we close together, my friend, and pray the, the Hail Mary in Latin? Sure. All right, means. let us do it. Oremus nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, et Mater Nostre, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. All right, Xavier, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate you. Thank you very much, Taylor. And thank well, you to your viewers. Thank you. I'll have to have you back. And remember, until next time, our Lord Jesus Christ says, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. Thank you, Xavier. Thank you. Talk to you soon.